Welcome to the Century 21 Foundation Series, an introduction to our unique process and how we help agents build better businesses, defy mediocrity, and deliver extraordinary client experiences. Let's get started. All right, Dylan and Angela here for Hello. another of the Foundation Series, and our topic today is business forecasting. So we have a lot to get through on this. We want to start with the foundation of a story. Um, and so before we even jump into the story, Dylan, you want to give us a little more context? I think you referenced where you got this idea from. Well, um, we're in the sales industry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we forget that sometimes. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time talking about remarkable experience and generating a steady stream of leads and creating a great business model. And when we do that, one of the things we're going to need to start doing is figuring out how to now create a proper system for managing and balancing and incubating all of these yeah. leads, clients, and transactions so that we run our business like a business. So business forecasting is our topic. I think the backdrop to this is this is one of the first things that I was taught. I had no sales background, but when I started, it was with Roger Wheeler, the owner of the company yeah. then. And um, Roger took me aside. And this was one of the first things he taught me. And I think it actually came from his previous sales background. And anyone that's been in sales in a more traditional sales environment, this is one of the things you have to figure out how to do is how to forecast future sales, forecast future revenue, and forecast your business and the trajectory. And so we're going to talk about that and how we do that today. And I think uh, we'll just kick off with with sort of some story time. Yeah. Yeah. The very first time that I heard you um, tell tell this, tell me about business forecasting. You started off by talking about selling pens versus selling jet turbines, which is a very weird concept. And I had, you know, questions on where you were going with that, but it does become very clear and lays the right foundation. So you want to start with that? So to be clear, we're in real estate sales and we sell houses, Yeah, but we're going to compare that to a couple of different uh, sales spaces. So we're going to put on, you were a, you were a teacher. We're going to put on our uh, imagination hats for just a second. (laughs) Got it. Um, And we're going to be pen salesmen just for a minute. Mm, Yes. And so we uh, sell pens door to door. So we just knock on doors and knock on lots of doors, presumably. Probably. And let's just pretend for a second a few assumptions. One is we um, we need to earn a hundred bucks a day to survive. Okay. So let's pretend that's what it costs for Covers. us to live, and that's mm-hmm. our goal. And if we can't make a hundred bucks a day, we're gonna we're gonna sink. Fail. Sink. Yep. And then have to go work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's also assume that we can buy our pens from a wholesaler and Mm -hmm. we we buy them for a buck. And let's pretend that the market door to door for pens is around $2, meaning we can sell them for two, we buy them for one, we have a margin or gross profit of? $1. $1 per pen. Mm -hmm. Now we need to make $100 per day. So we need to sell approximately? 100 pens a day. So 100 pens in a day would be break even. Yep. Right, that yep. would be enough to survive. And as a new salesperson, sometimes surviving is kind of all you need to do. All, all you need just mm-hmm. to to keep building your door knocking skills, yep. or I don't know, maybe find cheaper pens, <laughs> um, or get better pens and create yeah. more margin. More right? margin. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, we're pen salesmen. We're knocking on doors, and let's say that today is Monday, mm-hmm. and we knock on tons and tons of doors, and we sell a hundred and thirty pens which means we have a $130 margin. And so we go home and we high five our spouse and we say hey, we had a great day. We had a great day. We had a good day. Yeah. Cause we know that we sold more pens than we needed to sell. Yep. 
And so that's really, really easy. The next day we wake up and we knock on a different set of doors in a different street and we sell 73 pens. Mm. And so we know that that day was... Not a successful. Not a successful day. Yeah. So the point of the story is that when you sell pens or low ticket items uh, with very, very clear margin per yeah. item, it's very easy on a day-to-day basis to know um, whether our day was successful. Mm-hmm. And the reason that matters is that if you're selling pens, you really just need to focus on how many doors you can hit, mm-hmm. how many sales you can make in a day, and you can go home at the end of any, any day knowing if you did well or did poorly, and then make adjustments the next day. Yep, so if absolutely. you have a bad day, you go, well, okay, let me try a different street. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a bad day, you say, well, let me alter that script. Yep. So we can track, measure, and adjust our strategy Very as easily. pen salesmen. Mm-hmm. Every day based upon the results of that day. Yep. So that's pen sales. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I don't do that for yeah, a little I'm very glad I don't have to do that. Yes. Um, let's now put on a different set of uh, imaginational uh, 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 scenarios. We're now going to not be selling pens anymore. We now sell a big, big, big ticket item. So the example we use is jet turbine engines. And so let's imagine that we... We, we meet with all these big, so Lockheed right. Martin, Boeing, maybe yep. the, the military. So there's only like, I don't know. Who so bu- many people. There's only so many people yeah. buying multi-million dollar jet turbine engine yes. contracts, multi-year contracts. And let's say that as a salesperson doing this, we earn 50 grand in commissions over the course of a year every time we sell one of these big contracts. Right. And we've only got like six or seven major clients and so really, let's assume as well, similar to the pens, right. but now let's say that we have a $100,000 a year lifestyle. Okay. I need $100,000 a year to pay the bills, to take my vacation, and to make sure that my spouse still loves me. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so based on simple math then, 100000 right. need, 50000 per sale. How many sales do I need to make a year? Two. Two sales a year. Yeah. Um. Well, this changes the game a little bit because all of a sudden it's, well, as we'll see, very, very challenging to know whether any given day was yes. a win or a loss or so let's play the game. It's it's Monday and we, I don't know, we worked on a bunch of proposals. Right. We spent a bunch of time meeting with the engineers um, at one of the plants that are working on some modifications to some portion of the engine that we needed to learn about. We had a lunch that we just got scheduled with one of the Lockheed uh, executives right. that we've been trying to get with for a while. Yeah. And um, that was our day. It was Monday. We went home. We saw our spouse. And we said, like, how, she says, how was your day? I, well, I, well, I did this, this, and this. There's no way to really quantify that as easily, I don't think. I could feel good about the day. Yeah. It could have been a busy day. Could I might measure busy. the day by my busyness. Right. Or, but it's very, very hard to know if I moved closer or further away from any particular sale because right. I really only get two of these a year, which means that out of 365 days of the year, 363 days, I'm not going to have a sale. Exactly, yeah. The big point here is I can't measure my success or failure on any given day by how many sales I made. It doesn't work that way. So next day is Tuesday. um, And I was really, really anticipating that Boeing was going to pick up a contract for 10 of these guys. It was going to be one of my $50,000 sales. 
and I show up to the office in the morning. I've got my cup of coffee. It feels like a great day. And all of a sudden, bing, I've got mail and it's the Boeing executive. And he emails me and says, listen, I, I appreciate everything you've been doing for us. I appreciate the game of golf that you paid for the other day. I appreciate you taking my family to dinner the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we've decided to go with your competitor. Right. Um, and uh, obviously, immediately, you just lost what? A, a huge opportunity. $50,000 out of the- In your brain. Yes, in your brain. That's what you're thinking. $50,000 yeah. just left the yeah, door. Absolutely. And that's a pretty big deal. Now, on that same day, you made a, a couple more calls that perhaps opened up some other doors right. that, for all we know, created a net positive effect on that day. But you're going to go home at the end of that day and you're going to say, honey- I lost a giant yeah, contract. Today sucked. Yeah, not a good day. <clears throat> and so this is the struggle of selling jet turbine engines. Is It's a very, very different thing. We cannot measure our success or failure based upon the results or outcomes of the sales of any given day. Correct. Now, these are two pretty extreme examples, right. pens and jet turbines. And the question that we always want to ask agents is, well, where does real estate sales live? Right. And the way I like to think about that is, um, well... If you want to make that six-figure income selling real estate based upon the average sale of, of real estate in your town and mm-hmm. the 3% commission mm-hmm. with whatever your split is with your, your broker, mm-hmm. well, how many sales do you need to make? And the answer typically isn't like the pen industry. No. The answer is 20, 30, yep. Yep. maybe 40 sales at most, Right. which again means let's say it's 30. That means that 335 days of the year you're selling nothing. Yep. You're engaging in a whole bunch of calls, notes, Popeyes, activities, planning, presentations, showings, um, administrative tasks, uh, CE, that have nothing to do with a sale necessarily, but are the inputs leading towards just 30 sales. Yep. So on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, we may go home and not have sold any real estate. And we may feel like that was a loss. Or on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we may close on one or two and yeah. think it was an amazing, amazing week. Day. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we may have done very little to increase the overall future value of our business right. because we were so tied up in processing a pending that we actually, in the net that day, really just closed out a sale but didn't increase the value of our business. Right. And this is the point of business forecasting. Yeah. And so that's... Uh, pens and jet turbine engines. And so the conversation we're having about business forecasting really is about four simple things. Yep. One, how do we as realtors measure the success of any given day? And what we're going to talk about is we have to shift our focus from the result, which in our case is selling a house, yep. whether that's a contract or, uh, or a closing. An actual closing, yeah. Um, and we have to shift it to the activities or inputs that we engage in that move our clients down the funnel because that's actually where the value is created. The second is like, how do we actually then value each independent opportunity? Because when we lost that Boeing sale, it felt like we lost $50,000. Yes. The truth is we didn't because as we'll see, we had a possibility of that sale happening, but that sale was never in the bank. And so we have to kind of jerk. Ger- Jerry Rick, we, we have to manipulate our own thinking yeah. in order to understand each opportunity correctly so we don't overvalue some and undervalue others, as we'll see in a minute. Yep. Um, the third thing is how do we actually in real estate project or forecast our income? Right. It's really interesting. In pen sales, it's kind of easy. If you just work double time one day, 
Because if you need 200 bucks for someday because you want right. to buy something, right. just work a night shift. Right. Do double time, sell 200, and, and you're there. In real estate, forecasting and projecti- projecting future revenue is challenging. Yeah, and then the fourth thing is, is really about gamifying, which is a, a huge word today. It's everywhere because we know psychology is a huge force. And so how do we gamify building our real estate business in a way that encourages us to focus our time, energy, and efforts on the things that actually produce the good results down the line rather than the things that are really obvious to us like that closing or yeah. that pending. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so we're going to work to answer these questions along the way. But two takeaways that I hear from that, yeah, I mean, focus on the activities, right? Um, we're going to get into some of those ideas and things like that and constantly be filling the top of your funnel, increase those odds. So let's dig into just some logistics um, before we talk about actually building this business forecast. So first we have to just understand what a sales funnel is, right? Um, so we have to have this concept down before we can talk about building a forecast. Um, so when we talk about a real estate sales funnel, some of that main categories um, that we that we talk through. We have a lead, um, we have a prospect, we have an appointment, which is you know may or may not be um, counted in there. But listings and buyers are your active clients. Um, you go to pending, and then you go to closing, right? So that's what a, what a sales funnel looks like from top to bottom. Um, well, not the sales funnel looks like, but those are the the categories of it: lead, prospect, appointment, active, contract, close. Um, so let's talk about what each of these things mean. So we have a definition around each of them. So what it, what is really a lead? <clears throat> well, and to be clear, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could draw your sales funnel. Right. We like to think of it as a funnel. Right. And we think of it as a funnel because a funnel is shaped a certain way. Right. It's wide at the top. It's narrow at the bottom. Yep. In order to get a few closings, we need a lot of listings or, or buyers and we need even more, more. leads and opportunities. Absolutely. And so it's a funnel because it's wide at the top, thin at the bottom. And then thinking about these various categories really, really matters. Um, and, and and these are our... Um, right, our ver- definitions, yeah. Sure, and, yeah. and in different businesses or industries, you would have different categories through right. the funnel. And there's no perfect way to do this, but the way we like to think about this is that a lead at the very, very top is really just a name and a number. It's, it's someone that you in, engage or interact with that you encounter. So if you bump into someone at an open house... Yep. We presume they're looking to buy or sell, but we don't know for sure. But if they fill in that... Um, your, in, your, your info sheet. Your sure, check-in, yeah. your check-in sheet. Yep. You now have a name, you have a number. When I say number, number could mean... Email. Email, mean, physical mailing yes, address, a absolutely. way to contact them. Yep. And that's a lead. A lead, by definition, is something to follow up on. Mm-hmm. You, you chase a lead. Yeah. So I, I always say to all, it's a, somebody that's raised their hand for real estate. So it's Good. not, it's not the phone book because <laughs> it could be considered that way. To me, it's not the phone book. It's somebody who's raised their hand for real estate. Well, if you way. do real estate the way some brokerages and yes, agents do, it the, the phone book is your first source of leads. You yeah. can start with Aaron Ardfark and you can start calling <laughs> through the list. And so that's a lead. But when we think of leads, obviously we presume that we're encountering people in our yes. SOI or somewhere else. They're a name and a number. And you said they're a... They're a Who have raised their hand for Someone estate. that's raised their hand, presumably. Now, yeah. a prospect is one step further down because a prospect is a lead, presumably, mm-hmm. that we know has a particular need or want. Yep. And typically in real estate, that means they're the most basic example is I want to buy or I want to sell. Right. And then we can get further and further down. I want to buy on the west side of town. I want to buy something in the two to three hundred thousand dollar price range with four beds, two bars and a, and a garage. Yep. And so the more we know about that prospect, 
um, well, obviously, the more we're able to meet that need. Yes, absolutely. And so that's our prospect. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, once we know what they need or want, we get to move them to that prospect stage. So appointment would be next in the funnel. So we're um, after prospect, we get an appointment. Well, and, and jumping ahead, the reason these are so important for us to understand as definitions is because we're going to make it very clear yes. here. Our goal in understanding these is to be very, very clear about each of these steps so that we know the work to be done and what we need to be doing to move from one phase of the sales funnel to the next. Yes. So if a lead is a name and a number, someone that's raised their hand, and a prospect is a lead that we've now, now. learned more about their needs, yep. then the work to be done to be make them an appointment right. is to find out more about their needs and figure out how to meet that need or want. The most basic examples, I'm looking for a house on the east side. Well, here's three houses on the east side because our goal with a prospect mm -hmm. is first and foremost to get an appointment. Now, an appointment could mean a lot of things. For yes. a buyer looking for a house, it could mean meeting them at a house, house. and getting face-to-face yep. -face with them. Yep. For a listing client, it could mean touring their property. Yep. Um, Meeting someone at an open house is not an appointment, even though it's face-to-face. -face, Correct. Because they didn't come to meet you. They came to meet the house. Yes. But if you then say, hey, let's get together for coffee and talk about your buying needs, mm -hmm. well, that's an appointment that's because an appointment. they came to talk with you. Yep. So whether it's um, meeting at your office for a buyer or seller consultation, um, meeting at a property to look at a property that you scheduled together, yep. these are appointments. appointments. And the reason an appointment matters is because it is the next step down the funnel. Right. And we very, very seldom or ever really sell a house without first meeting with someone having an appointment who chooses to meet with you and absolutely. wants to then go down the dance of working with yeah. you. Yeah. So absolutely. After having an, an appointment, the goal is then to um, make them an actual client. So how would we define the difference between those two things? Well, on the listing side, a client's pretty clear, right? A listing is uh, where they have signed an agency document. They've signed a listing contract. They are exclusively your client. On right. the buy side, obviously, if they sign a buyer's agency agreement, they are your client. But we would understand that many of our buyers aren't in a buyer's agency contract, right. but they are working with us actively to look at houses. Yes. So if I've got someone that looked at one house with me because they called me on Zillow, I'm probably going to consider them an appointment. Yeah. But when they choose to go work with me and they're getting in my car or meeting at several houses, yeah. I want to be pushing for that buyer's agency agreement. But um, sometimes it's available, sometimes it's not. At that point, they're moving into the client phase. I would call a client where there is an exclusive relationship of some nature between you and a buyer or seller who's intending to work with you to buy or sell a house. Absolutely. Good. So once we are out looking, they are a client, we have the sign in the ground. The next phase of this process is the contract phase, or we would say pending oftentimes. Um, so yeah. Next, well, next not phase much to say there. Yeah. A contract is our pending phase and then ultimately our, our close, which is when we get paid. Yep. And that is the makeup of our basic sales funnel. And the game we're going to play here then is about learning to not just fill that funnel, right. but to properly measure mm -hmm. and then guide our clients and our leads through, through the, the sales funnel. funnel with a better psychology and with a business forecasting uh, focus and orientation. Yeah. So two big ideas before we, again, get into some how to get started with this. Um, one, I mean, so I get a lead. I, they come into my open house, right? Um, the danger of this is we're always, we're thinking of that person as a closing and we kind of are going back to the pens versus jet turbines, right? Like we're seeing them as a closing right away. So we need to reframe our thinking on that. Our goal when they're a lead is just to move them to that next phase, which is the prospect. So I'm asking things to find out 
what they need or want to clarify that so I can move them down one thing at a time and not having to be moving them all the way down the funnel. So talk a little bit more about closing for the next phase. Well, we sell real estate, which is more like jet turbine engines. Yes. And so Monday, if I measure the success of Monday by how many houses I sell, I'm going to be despondent 360, mm. 335 days of the year. Yeah. So our, our goal on any given day is not to close for the sale, meaning I'm not trying to take buyers and make them Close. Close on houses. Day one, yes. If I've got a lead, my goal with the lead is to close for the benchmark, is, yes. is how I would say it. And the benchmark means the next step. Yep. So if you look at people in your sales funnel, if they're a lead, our goal is to figure out how we turn them into a prospect. Well, a prospect is someone that has a specific, a specific or specified need, need or, or want. want. Yep. So if I have a name and a number and I don't yet know what they need or want, well, what is my next step? What's the work to be done? Find out what they need or want. Absolutely. Ask them questions to get you there. And there's a hundred ways to do that. Yeah. We don't have the answers on how because it's different with every person. Yes. It might be a text. It might be a call. It might be an encounter. But what we need to do is ask, hey, are you guys in the market? What are you looking for? Yep. What Are you looking to be here or there? What's your price range? Yeah. So the more we learn about their need or want, the, the more we turn them into the next benchmark. And the idea here is really psychological. Absolutely. If we wake up in the morning and try and make people that we bump into buy houses with us. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. it just doesn't work that yeah. way. Every person that buys a house first needs to know what they need or want. And then they have to be willing to meet with you. And then they have to be willing to go and look at houses or um, list their property. And then they have to be willing to write an offer and negotiate. And then they have to be willing to navigate the pending phase yeah. and conduct inspections. So we as agents have to retrain our brain yes. not to think of ourselves as waking up in the morning trying to sell houses. Our goal is to fill our funnel and then systematically work each individual down the funnel. And by down the funnel, we mean really along the path of yes. the sales journey. Yeah. So the, the key first thought here is, as we think about business forecasting and our sales funnel, we need to focus on closing for the benchmark, meaning the next step in the process, not the sell. A great example of this that really helps illuminate this is thinking about um, a client, a buyer, that's been out looking at houses with us. And they've been looking for maybe weeks on end. They've mm -hmm. looked at hundreds of houses. They've seen all the houses. Um, but there's something going on that it seems like whenever they find one that they like, they 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 just want to keep looking. Yep. And one of the things we learn in sales is how to help close for the next benchmark. See, when someone is never met an agent and they're scared to go look at houses because they don't know how it works, we've got to get them in houses. Yep. And so we, we, we know how to meet with people and explain the buying process. But when someone's been looking at houses for a while, there's a whole new set of concerns when they find the one they love. And now the concern isn't, oh, I don't know what it's like to work with an agent. Now the concern is, I'm scared to write a contract. Yeah, absolutely. This is a big, scary thing. So what we need to do is learn to close for the benchmark. So they've been looking at houses. It seems like they're scared of the next step. So one great script, that's an example of closing for the benchmark, is yeah. say, hey, Tom, Sally, listen, guys, it's been a pleasure working with you. Uh, it, it's been fun showing you houses. Listen, it feels like right now we've looked at quite a few. Mm -hmm. And it's, it seems to me like there's a few that maybe are pretty close to what you guys had told me you were looking for. You said you were looking for ABC. And really, it seems like there's a few that might meet those criteria. Let me ask you this. Are there any today, if you had to pick your top three yep. right now that would match your criteria, which would they be? And they might give you a couple of options. And then you might say, well, 
if, if there was one, like it looks to me like this one here, Smith, uh, 123 Street, seems like the one you guys really loved when you walked in. Let me ask you this. If, is that a home you guys could see yourselves living in? Yep. To which they hopefully say, say yes. Yeah. Now this is a little salesy, right? But we're helping people through Make, a process psychologically mm -hmm. to which we might say, well, let me ask you this, guys. If I could get that, so the property's listed at 220, right? If I could get that property for you guys, if you could get in there at like, let's say 210, and this depends on our market and our circumstances. But right. if I could get you guys in that property at 210, would you, would you want to own that property? And then they're going to say something like, well, do, do you think we could? Like, do you think, because maybe they, maybe they didn't know that there is the potential to which you say, well, we don't know until we try. Yeah. So, you know, here's where so, we're at, guys. Yep. If we want to jump in that and, and find out, here's the good news. We need to just write an offer, negotiate and see where we land. And if they don't come back to where we need to be, no problem. We move on and we keep we'll looking. find something else, yeah. And, and the point of the script is an example of not trying to get them to buy a house, but trying to get your client to take the next logical step in the process. Yeah. And that's what we call closing for the benchmark. Um, yeah, you can look at all these. When you have your people properly labeled, you can look at that and say, this is the work to be done, right? Like, so if they're labeled a prospect, the work to be done is to get that appointment. If they're at the appointment phase, the work to be done, the next benchmark is making them an active client. So yes, it's just very simple when you can categorize them this way and close for the next benchmark instead of closing for the sale. The other reason this is powerful is on a daily basis, I now know that there's several different categories of work that I have to do. Yes. I have to create leads. Yeah. And I need time to do that. Yep. I have to incubate my leads yes. and warm them up and find out more about their needs. And then I need to prospect those leads to guide them forward. Yes. I also need to, there's work to be done with listings. I need to manage and communicate my listings. I need to market my listings because that's the work to be done there. My Get buyers, I need to be finding what they're looking for and getting them in houses. Yeah. My uh, pendings, I need to be guiding them through that process. There's various categories of work to be done. And in every one of those spaces, I could say I sell houses. Right. But really what you do is all of those various components is your day-to-day -day job. Yeah. And that's what you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that produces the result. And I'm going to take my eyes off of the result of selling houses and onto the activities of guiding people through the sales funnel. Absolutely. And that really helps with lots of things. But number one and most important, it helps with my psychology. Absolutely. And it gives me clarity on what I do for a living Monday through, well, Monday through Sunday. No, if you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you're having success in your day-to-day -day business. Yes. Um, so the other big idea here on building a business forecast is how does this actually work for my business? How do I know if my sales funnel is healthy or not healthy? How do I know what these opportunities actually mean? All those things along the way. Um, so we want to teach people how to walk through this, not just by categorizing them, but using a valuation system um, of how to look at these, each of these opportunities. Well, really everything we've talked about so far isn't business forecasting. It's just building a sales funnel. Yeah. Business forecasting is where we now take our sales funnel and we start to apply to it a smart valuation system. Yes. Not just for all of them collectively, that's where we're going to land, but for each independent opportunity, we're going to understand where they are in the process. Yep. And we're not going to think of them the way realtors tend to think of yes. them, which is, hold on, this is a $200,000 property. <laughs> this is $6,000 of commission. We're going to view each of them as a weighted value based upon where they are in the uh, in, in their respective journey and the likelihood of each of them coming to yes. fruition. This is what forecasting is. Yes. And what this is going to do is help us properly assign value to each opportunity and it's going to help us see if our business on any given day or week is moving forward or backwards as we 
evaluate mm -hmm. and evaluate each of our opportunities and our entire sales funnel. Yeah. And so, yeah, let's just jump into that. I mean, yeah. let's start with the the bad thinking. Yeah. The bad thinking is that realtors, I mean, they're great at lots of things. They're great with people. When it comes to math, the only math that realtors tend to be good at is multiplying things by 3%. Yep. And so there's a $300,000 home, uh, 3%, that's $9,000 of commission. And then maybe they multiply that by their split and that's what they believe that that is opportunity there, yep, is worth. Yep. And so the problem is if we have a list of, let's say, 15 clients and maybe 20 prospects that we're working and they're all on post-it notes all over our desk. Well, in our mind, each of those buyers are going to buy. Yeah. And we've already kind of done the math of what each of those might be worth. And each of those, you know, prospects are going to come to, but, but we, we're smart enough to also know that statistically, some of them Probably aren't going to work out, yeah. but we never really do the math. And yeah. so what happens is something very, very interesting psychologically and emotional is on Monday, we go to work and we get that Boeing email. We get right. that client and we call them and we say, Hey, like, are you ready to go look at that property today? And they say, Oh, oh. Hey, listen, I got bad news. <laughs> I bumped into my old friend from high school. He was doing an open house and you're not going to believe this. I love you and I really want to work with you, but, but I wrote an offer with them. And immediately what happens is you look at that. That was a $300,000 buyer and $9,000. Just walked out the door. Literally just left your wallet. Yeah. And for some of us, we've already kind of spent that money in our head. <laughs> Unfortunately. Because yeah. this was my buyer, yeah. right? And why wouldn't he work with me? And, and so this is bad math. It's bad math, it's bad thinking, and it's a bad way to think about your business. Yep. So the right way to think about your business is to change how we do this. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're yep. going to start plugging in our leads, our prospects, our listings, our buyers, our contracts, and our clothes into our sales funnel, yep. into our business For forecast spreadsheet. Yep, absolutely. And as we plug these all in, and, and we might start with just, just a few names. That's okay. As a new agent, we may just have three terrible leads to yep. follow up on. That's but that's okay. where everybody started. Yep. If you have a couple listings or a buyer, you're going to plug those in as well. Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to start thinking of each and every one of those opportunities mathematically for the value that they actually represent to our business statistically mm -hmm. in terms of the likelihood of them actually, actually coming to, to fruition. Yep. So let's do some examples. Yeah. We're going to plug in a lead. And let's say we bump into someone in an open house and they say, oh, yeah, we're, uh, we're thinking of buying on the east side for 300000 Right. And we're going to say, well, are you currently working with an agent? And they're going to say, no, we don't have an agent. We say, well, would you be interested in me? And we're going to work them down the funnel. Yep. And let's say now they're a prospect. We know their need and want, and then they leave the house, but we have their contact information. Yes. So we have a prospect yep. that we haven't yet met with face-to-face. -face, right, that doesn't But count. we know the work to be done. We're going to send them some properties. We're going to see if we can get a, what's Buyer the benchmark? consultation, the appointment. Because get that's the, the next benchmark. So our number one goal is not to try to sell them a house. Yep. Our number one goal is to get a face-to-face -face meeting with them. Now, the best way to do that is going to be through real estate properties. We're going to find Absolutely. them properties to send so that we can catch them yep. and have them want to go look at one with us. Yep. That's the race, Buyers right? Buyers want to buy a house. That's what, yeah, that's absolutely. How, that's closing for the benchmark. Yep. But we're not going to go, ooh, this is a $9,000 potential no. commission check. We're going to take that $300,000. We're going to multiply it by our commission, yep. 3%. And then we're going to obviously factor in our commission split, yep. whatever that might be. Yep. And then we're going to apply to that a weighted value 
that represents the statistical likelihood that that sale actually comes to fruition. Yeah. Now, if I've got this person, I just met them at an open house, they were very nice and friendly to me, and they left their name and number, and I know a little bit about them, mm -hmm. what's the chance that these people actually buy a house? Now, let's ask the question this way. Is it 100%? Have we ever had someone we met in an open house that was nice and friendly and wants to buy a house, end up not buying a house with us. Absolutely. Okay, good. Yes. So we're not at 100%. No way. And we're going to work our way down. And, and the truth is that everyone's going to have a slightly different conversion rate on all of these. Yes. But as a general rule of thumb, I would give that no more than a 5 to 10% likelihood, yeah. depending on how good you are, yeah. of actually becoming a sale. There's, yeah. They could actually already have an agent. They could have met 10 other agents that day. Mm -hmm. They could not be pre-qualified. They could not be like even qualify for financing. Right. They could have a cousin that's in real estate and they just want someone to show them. There's a million reasons why it doesn't come to fruition. Right. Right. But the question we have to ask ourselves is if we had two of those people, if we met two of those do, do we have a, a likelihood of one sale? I'd say still no. No, not yet. How about if we had 10 of them? If we had 10 people that we met in, okay, well. 10 to maybe, yeah. If we had 10 people just it, like that, that we met in an open house that would buy with us statistically, one of them would, would work out. Yeah. 10% is our valuation. Yeah. So the simple math is we're going to take 300,000 multiplied by 3%. We've got nine grand multiplied by our 70% split. Let's call it 6,300. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to apply the 10% 10 10 valuation to that. Mm -hmm. And that's going to give us a dollar amount mm -hmm. of $630. Mm -hmm. Now, what we've done is we've taken our jet turbine engine and we've split it into the 365 days, basically. Yes. And we're looking at, at, at it not as one big sale, but we're breaking it into many, many opportunities. Yes. And each of them have a corresponding value. So if I meet two people at my open house today, just like that, I added $630 and another $630 yeah. to my business forecast, yeah. which means my net value of my funnel went up by $1,260. Yep. Now, is that a good or a bad day? Well, we still don't kind of know, but we're a lot closer to knowing. We increased our day. We've added to our funnel, right? So maybe on that same day, we had a active buyer that was looking for properties and we've been showing them properties for a while. And, uh, and they decided that they're ready to write an offer. Yep. So we meet with them, we write up an offer, and we present the offer, and the offer gets accepted. Well, in their case, they're a $200,000 buyer. 3% um, would be $6,000 6, multiplied mm -hmm. by, let's say, 70% split, mm -hmm. which is 4200 But we had them at about a 50% likelihood. Because yeah. once we have a buyer that's under agency with us, that wants to work with us You're exclusively, that's pre-qualified, yep. I would say, does every one of those buy a house? No, absolutely not. But if you had two actively qualified, um, pre-approved buyers looking at houses with right. you every week, one in two of those is likely to work Probably out. Probably much more likely, So yes. I, I, I had a 50% likelihood applied to that. But yeah. today, so, so that means I had uh, $2,100 bucks in the bank. Yeah. But today, what's going to happen is now they wrote an offer and it got accepted. Now, does that mean I've got a sale? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, but that 50% moved down. First of all, it went from active buyer yep. to contract, contract. So we moved it down. We closed for the benchmark. Yep. And the second thing that's going to happen is now it became worth slightly more statistically. Now, have we ever had a buyer 
that has a contract that hasn't done an inspection, hasn't got their financing put together yet, not close. Absolutely. So it's not 100% yet. Never until you get to the closing table. Correct. <laughs> and even then, sometimes. But it moved from 50 up to, I would say, somewhere in the 70% yeah. range. And okay. then once they do their inspection and it clears, I would then move it up to the 80% 80. range. Yep. So there's a game that we're playing here. Yep. And the game is that we're viewing each opportunity at a weighted value that actually allows us to see it for what it's actually worth based upon where it is in the process. Now, I want to tell one more example because on yeah. that same day, yeah. three things happened so far. We got two new leads two new at leads. open houses. Yep. We gained, what was it? Uh, that was 1260 We, we gained 1260 Yep. One of our buyers wrote an offer. Mm -hmm. We gained... I think it was another like 4000 right? Yes. And yeah. so, so yeah. it was a good day so far. Yeah. And then we called that buddy of ours... And he was looking to buy and we were pretty sure. And it turns out he wrote an offer at an open house with someone that he knew from college. Well, what we're going to do now is we're going to go to our forecast sheet where he was in there. Now, it sounds like he, well, he didn't have an agency contract with us, obviously, because right. he, he bought with somebody, bought else. somebody else. And so we probably had him in at a 30%. Yeah. And so now what we've got is he was in there at 300 300,000, 3%, nine grand multiplied by a 30% like, sorry, first of all, let our split. Yep. 6,300 multiplied by a 30% likelihood. So there would have been about a $1,300, $1,200 value yep. for him. And we lost that. Now our business went down by that amount. Yes, it did. But it didn't go down by the 9,000. Now at the end of the day, we go home to our spouse and our spouse says, honey, how was your day? And we say... You know what? I lost one, but I gained four. I yeah. have four great opportunities. And in my business, my business funnel increased by yes. this net amount. And so this is why this is about gamification. It's about psychology. Yes. But it's also about having an honest look in the mirror about your business. And it makes it very, very clear for us the work that we're in, mm -hmm. um, which is several things. We're going to be adding to the funnel constantly. We want to yes. constantly be adding to the top because everyone we add at the top is at a 5 or 10% likelihood. And sometimes lower depending on where those leads are coming from and your ability and your expertise. Yeah, and let's talk that. about those benchmarks here, yeah. some rules of thumb. Yeah. But, but our game is to add as much as we can to the funnel and then to systematically work people down the funnel in order to get those closings. But remember, our goal is not to focus on the closings. It's to close for the benchmarks throughout the sales funnel. And when we do this, what ends up happening is we sell more houses. Absolutely. And uh, so number one, add. Number two, convert. Down. Mm -hmm. And then number three, the goal is ultimately to grow our projected value, our forecast. That's what this is about. It's called yep. a 12-month business forecast. And yeah. if we're doing it right, what we're doing here is we're looking forward to the next 12 months and we're saying how much money is projected to be produced, how much revenue is going to come out of my sales funnel right. um, for the next 12 months. And it's a moving target because today, if we close one, it was it's at 90% because it was pending and it was clear to close. Yep. And then it moved to 100%. And the next thing that happens is that commission check now leaves the funnel right. and it goes to your bank. And that means your business, even though you won, you had a great that day, day for closing, but your business funnel actually went down. Yeah. Because that sale is no longer in the funnel. So while you were focusing on closing that one out, you better have been focused on filling more opportunities and at or the top. moving people down. Yes. And there's one more point that's very, very crucial here is that part of what this does in our brains is it helps us understand that selling real estate and winning doesn't mean you're always winning. Part of real estate is that every. Every lead isn't a sale. 
That means that for every, if you have a 10% likelihood of a lead coming to fruition, that means that nine in 10, you're going to fail on. Yeah. And so failing or losing or not winning, um, nine times out of 10 is winning. Is a part of it. Yeah. And yeah. we have to understand that in sales. Yeah. Now, when you're knocking door to door, that's easy to just measure day to day. When you're selling jet turbine engines, it's a lot more challenging and uh, this completely changes the game in your head and in your activities and in your um, objectivity mm-hmm. uh, on a day-to-day basis for your business. So that's business forecasting in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember something very poignant that you had said when you were teaching this for the first time, I heard it as well, was you were able, because you got so good at your probabilities, you understood your conversion ratios, you kind of understood the different leads mean different things and your expertise and knowledge was better. Um, you were able to accurately predict within a 5% margin what you were actually going to make in a year. And how honestly, how many realtors can say at the beginning of a year, they know approximately what they're going to make, right? That's pretty powerful to be able to say, I think I'm going to make about this much this year. That's incredibly powerful. And there's nothing magical about that. Um, everyone can do that. Because if you're honest about all your leads and you're honest about all your clients and you at first, you're going to appropriate values that based upon our recommendations. But later on, you're going to learn how many of my listings do I close? Yes, absolutely. And some people close more of their listings than others because they have a tendency to overprice them or they take worse listings. Or, But it's really just simple math Yeah, is really what it comes down to. Who do you have in your funnel? And what is the... Over time, you get pretty accurate with yep. what you're estimated. And, and it's the law of large numbers too. So when you've got five clients and you create a valuation to them, you might estimate wrong. Absolutely. But if you have two, 300 people at different levels working through your funnel, because remember some of these people, they're in there for 18 months from beginning to end. Some of them are in there for much more than a that, longer several time, yeah. years, yeah. Um, which is actually something we need to touch on. Yes, absolutely. Um uh, the law of large numbers kicks in. And even though your estimations will be off on some of them, on average, your guesstimations start to be pretty accurate because they balance each other out. Some of the ones that you had in at a 20% likelihood, out of nowhere, they write an offer with you, boom, it just happens. Yeah, way up, yes. Others that you had at 80% because you're like, I'm so sure these people are going to close, at the last minute, a meteor falls on their head <laughs> and they no longer are alive. It's real estate. Well, we actually have clients die. It's yeah. a, it's a real thing. Yeah. And so you never know, but on average forecasting, if done right, mm-hmm. is going to help you see your future revenue. And down the line, that's about knowing what you're likely to earn this year. Yes. In the first few years, it's actually more about just building that number. Absolutely. For the first few months, that number is going to be several hundred or several thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. But every day you come to work, you lose some, you win more. Mm -hmm. And you slowly but surely add to the funnel and move people down the funnel. And your net future revenue, that 12-month forecast of revenue, starts to build slowly but surely over time. Yeah. And the last thing before we get started is just, again, going back to Dylan's first point about the shape of this thing, right? So the beauty of this is also being able to see, do I have a healthy-shaped funnel? So you should have the most on your list in that top section, right? Your leads and prospects should always kind of look and be more um, than what you have in, I mean, going down your funnel to see if you actually have a healthy shape. Yeah. I mean, early on uh, when our brokerage was super small, I did this for my team and I did it for a lot of our agents. We would weekly just meet with people and look at their business forecast and it's color coded intentionally. Yes. So in our spreadsheet, the leads are, I think, blue. Purple. They're purple and blue, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're color-coded and ordered from top to bottom intentionally because really our business forecast in our spreadsheet is really a sales funnel just just inverted. Inverted, yeah. yes, yep. 
Um, Because we're actually not moving people down the funnel. We're moving them up up the spreadsheet. spreadsheet. But it's the same idea. Yes. And, um, but the point is that a quick glance at somebody's spreadsheet, which really represents their funnel, can very, very quickly tell you a whole bunch about this person. So let's say someone's got five active buyers and they're all at like 30 to 70% likelihoods. Right. They've got a couple of listings. And, and so it looks really good. They've got 50 grand in their forecast. Yeah. But then you look at their leads and their prospects and they've got maybe five or 10 yep. leads that they're actively working. Uh, let's say they have 10. Yeah. And let's say that on average, they're at a 10% likelihood of coming to fruition. Well, what do we know right away? We know this agent is super busy right now yes. with all their current clients and they're not filling, filling the, top the top of their, of their funnel. funnel. Yep. So the shape matters because yes. a funnel, by definition, because of the simple math, means that we Must need be. hundreds of leads to produce dozens of clients, to produce handfuls of contracts, yes. to produce enough sales to pay the bills. And so, yeah, it's about um, the psychology, but it's also a window. It's a mirror into mm-hmm. your business, and it allows you to get a daily snapshot of where you need to focus time, energy, and attention. Yep. And hopefully create some accountability for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get talk about how to get started. Um, so, I mean, I'm a new agent. I'm just looking at the spreadsheet for the first time. <laughs> um, I've maybe gotten a couple, you know, people to that have raised their hand for real estate. I haven't really started. Um, the very first thing, we just need to start putting our leads in the funnel. That's the very first thing we got to do. Um, and tell me the difference between, we, t- we mentioned it before, a lead versus everybody in the phone book or everybody that I know. I mean, Well, we focused a lot with all of our new agents on the distinction between our database yes. and our, our funnel. funnel. Yep. And the difference is one is a set of people that we're trying to get referrals from. We're trying to love on our database to coach them to refer people to us. And this is about buyers and sellers. These are, yes. these are people with an active need. Now, someone may be in your database. They yes. may be your A-plus best friend that refers you 10 people. Um, and then they may say, hey, we've thought about buying. Well, yep. the second that happens, they stay in your database, but now they enter your funnel. Yep. So our funnel is about our leads and our prospects and our buyers and our sellers. Um, people can be in both our database Absolutely. and this. And then we may even have some people that are in our funnel that never enter our database because Correct. we're willing to sell them a house, but they're probably not someone that we're going to... A good example is actually is someone that um, is selling their house, but they're moving out of state. They're not a long-term yeah, database member, perhaps, but they are an actual sale today. Yeah, absolutely. So this is all for our leads, and getting started is not that complicated. Take the post-it notes. Right. Take the people Put them in a place. Put them in this place. Start yes. small. Um, if you have active buyers, yep. plug them into the Keep active buyer the category and um, add everyone you can. The other big hint here is... Um, yeah, don't be afraid to put people that you're not sure yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the rule of thumb here is we're looking at what we call a 12-month business forecast. Yeah. The idea is these are people that are going to buy or sell in the next 12 months. Right. So obviously our active buyers are clear. Anyone we met at an open house last week goes in here. Yep. But what if we had, let's say, a friend and they, you know, over cocktails last week right. told us, oh, hey, Dylan, I want to buy a house. I'm going to buy a house. And here's the deal. I'm going to do it with with you. you. (laughs) You're my guy and I can't wait. But here's the thing. 
it's not happening I'm not for ready. the next two years. Yeah, like there's, there's no way. I don't yeah. have the money. I don't have the whatever. And I'm not interested right now. Or I just bought a house and there's no way like it's going to happen We're anytime soon. Yep. Do you put them in your 12 months? Someone said, I will not buy for two to three years. Do you put them in your 12 month forecast? And it's a trick question because the answer is yes. yes. <laughs> and the reason the answer is yes is because if you don't put them in here, first of all, you're going to put them where? Where exactly. are they going to go? Where are you going to track that? They're yeah. going to get lost. Yeah. And then magically you're going to call them. 18 months from now, they're going to say, oh, oh, well, actually, sorry to tell you, I met my other friend at an open house. Yeah. The other reason we're going to put them in here is we're not going to try and solicit them to buy sooner. No. But we're going to stay in, in touch with them. We're yes. going to close for the benchmark. So the idea here is they, they may not buy in the next two to three years, but there's a chance that they would. Absolutely. And so we need to plug them into our 12-month forecast. We just keep them at a lower probability. Yep, absolutely. So And that way, they're top of mind. We remember them. We notate very yes. clearly that we're not trying to sell them something now. Yep. But we still have an active plan to stay in touch with them, to incubate them, and move them down the funnel at the pace that's appropriate for them. Yeah, because I think those are always the people that, yeah, they say they have a five-year plan, but they that changes. So yeah, yeah, you don't want to forget them one and two, you want to just keep checking in if plans change. Just the other example of this is people that I'm just not sure about. I've got a, I'm new to the business and I've got all these friends from college and I'm going to reach out to them and find out, Hey, have you guys thought about buying or selling lately? Well, I'd say it's a good idea, at least temporarily stick them in, make the phone calls, send yeah. the emails, yeah. do the text, take them to lunch or coffee, find out, put them at 5%. And then one by one, as they say, oh, no, 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 there's no way right now. Or I have a, I have a friend that's in it. My wife's an agent. I'm not right. going to work with I'm you, I'm not Dylan. going to work with you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take that to a 1%. <laughs> <laughs> that one might need to come out. I don't know. Well, yeah. <clears throat> that just depends on how yeah. tenacious you are. <laughs> but uh, I, I will tell you this. It wouldn't be the first time that yeah. we've sold real estate to someone who has a family member who's an agent. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, clients are going to be loyal to value more than they are to anything else. And so if you can provide the value of finding properties for them that their family member is ignoring them, um, yeah, so maybe not the wife. But, uh, <laughs> no, and I mean, honestly, just your lead, don't give up on your leads too quickly, right? Our leads that come in, I can't get a hold of them. Whatever. They need to go in here so you don't forget about them. You're constantly checking in. Again, like you said, take notes, um, add, you know, this is the last time I talked to them. This is the method with which I used. If you're using your spreadsheet and this is the last date, because then it will calculate how many days it's been since you've talked to them. So you can kind of constantly be looking at who's next. Who do you need to talk to next? I think too. build, build a system that works yeah. for you. Yeah. This is not a um, perfect solution for everyone and we have to modify it. But if I'm in the first few years in the business yeah, um, and even if I'm way down the line, I need a place where my business is. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to look into it. I need to know where each client is in the phase. And I need to be able to be closing for the benchmark. And I need to be holding myself accountable to grow my business yep, every on day. a daily basis yep. um, by adding to the top, converting people down, closing to the benchmark and valuing people properly so that my brain doesn't get fried. Yeah. Um, New agents always say to me next too, like, so what, what goes in here? Oh, I didn't know that should go in here. But then it's also about... They get really hung up on the numbers, I think, yeah. as far as like, I'm not sure how to weight this. How do I know? Um, what, would be your, what would be your advice on that? Well, first, let's just be overly conservative. Yeah. Um, the goal isn't uh, some perfect forecast at first, right? The goal is to have a place to start to build this and then hone your skills. So yeah, be conservative because you don't want to pretend you have a whole bunch of money in the bank when you really don't. Yeah. 
Um, the the other thing is we, we have some recommendations Suggested. for people. Yep. Yeah, we, yep. we recommend that a new lead, you can put a bunch, like if you have leads, let's say that are um, low level leads because it's like a mailing list or something yeah. like that. Those maybe don't belong in here, but if they do at a 1% yes. at most, meaning only a one in a hundred of those yes. is ever going to actually, online leads, for example, typically have a one to 3% conversion rate. Yeah. And so if you're receiving a bunch of online leads, either have a different place to incubate them or plug them in once you've made contact. But typically those are coming in at somewhere in the below five. Yeah. But your average lead, if it's a decent lead in an open house or something like that, is probably in that 5% five percent range. Yeah. If it's a referral from a trusted advisor, someone that loves you and sends you good people, and well, you might plug them in a little bit higher, but you can put them at 10 or 20, but there's no reason to be overly confident until you reach out to them, figure out what their needs or wants yeah. are and start to fill those. Yeah, um, absolutely. The so prospects, we plug in at 10 to 20. Yeah. Listings, it really depends on the market. If absolutely. You, if you've got a listing in this market right now and it's decently priced and it's a good listing, odds are it's actually like 90, mm -hmm. but there's no reason to go that far. I'd put it in at 70 to 80% so that you can conservatively have benchmarks to move it down as you then get offers, negotiate a contract, yeah. wrap up the inspection. Because again, even the most sure sales sometimes fall apart. Yeah. So market matters, I think, in that active stage for sure. Market yeah. and type of property. Buyers, yeah. um, if they're not pre-approved, if you're look, looking at houses with them, but you don't have an agency contract with them, I see no reason to put those above 30%. Right. When someone is pre-approved and they're in an agency contract with you, I still wouldn't put them above 50. Yeah. And what I'm saying to myself there is I've got this buyer. We're looking at houses. They're with me. But really, there's a chance that it's not going to work out. And I really need at least two of those. At least. To ensure that I've got a sale coming down the pike, mm -hmm. um, down the line. Um, contracts or pendings really at the initial contract acceptance, 60, 70%. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why those can fall through really all the way up to the day of closing. I've got it at <laughs> yeah. 90. Yep. Because what I'm saying to myself again is that there's a one in 10 chance that this doesn't work out. It doesn't mean I should be terrified or concerned. No. It means I'm being realistic. Absolutely. And then obviously when we close them out, 100%, we can celebrate for a few hours and then- <laughs> Go do the work to fill the funnel. <laughs> because it leaves my forecast. <laughs> yep. And we need to get those out because leaving those in is going to inflate our you future have revenue. Absolutely. And we don't want to inflate that. We want to be honest about our future revenue that's working its way through the system. Yep. So don't get hung up on those numbers, but- Honest advice, use some suggested weights and or just, just be over conservative as you're getting started on this. Yeah, I think so. Um, and again, let's talk one more time about, yeah, kind of the gamification before we talk about kind of the homework or the work to be done um, on what the agents need to do right now. Um, talk about that just a little bit more. Well, I mean, we've talked about it all the way through. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty clear about this. With anyone that knows me, I, I'm just a big fan of psychology. And I... I think the more you know about the human brain and how we work and how we're motivated, first of all, we're dealing with a whole bunch of crazy people here, rugged Absolutely. individuals, right? Yep. To get into real estate in and of itself is kind of a weird step. Yep. So we start with already interesting folks <laughs> and we're stepping into a very interesting game. We're selling high, uh, high ticket, High high deal. dollar yep. items. It's one of the largest purchases Absolutely. of sales that people make. And we earn a lot of money per unit. 
And if you're doing 30 sides a year, you're killing. If you're doing 50 to 100, you're really living the high life. Right. And so we have to be honest. We were wound a certain way. Yes. We want to get those sales. We tend to be focused on shiny, flashy objects like buyers ready to make offers. Yeah. And when we do that, we tend to get distracted from the things that we absolutely need to focus on, like filling the top of the funnel and incubating the one in 10 leads that are moving through. So, you know, gamification is really just a fancy word to say, set the system up in a way that works for your psychology. Yeah. And I don't care what agent you are. um, You're probably inclined to forget to focus on your lead generation sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And to be incubating and prospecting leads that sometimes uh, just aren't, aren't, they're not yelling at you, right? No, they're now not. My yeah, system not for this was I had certain days of the week, for example. Yeah. Every Saturday, every second Saturday was my high impact prospecting day. And I would just show up to my pile of leads and prospects, all my five and 10 percenters, and I would just work through the pile. And one touch point, something, one property, one piece something of value, new. one yep. reach out yep. just to find out how I could move them to that next, next level down the benchmark. Um, and so, yeah, just be honest about the craziness of our business. Yep. Um, know that you're not, um, you might be smarter than everybody else, but you're a human just like everybody else. And so you, you gotta, you gotta play the game and you gotta know that, um, uh, if you focus on the right activities yes. and you can put it in front of your, your brain the right way, um, it's really not that hard. It's a numbers game. We're in the people business. But at the end of the day, we, we have to create a system that holds us accountable to be reaching out to all the different people, all the different phases. And if you do that, you win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So goal in all of this, kind of three last thoughts, homework, goal, takeaways. Um, what do I need to go do now? Well, step one is super easy. Um, just grab those post-it notes. Grab those <laughs> random names and numbers. Open house sign-in sheets. Yeah, all you those got things. it. Yeah, and 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 the ones you're not sure about, and plug them into your forecast sheet. Yeah. Um, if you've got pendings, if you've got buyers, plug them in. Again, don't over obsess about the the, the metrics. Yeah. Just get them get started them and start a system. It will sort itself out. Yep. Um, and then step two is get to work, and the work is all of a sudden becomes more clear. We close for the benchmark. The work is to move people down the funnel and to add more people to our funnel. That's why we've got our five spokes. It's why we've got to block off lead generation time because we always have to be filling the top. And it's why we need to set aside time for lead incubation to be incubating and working and massaging each of these individuals through the process. And at first, doing that with 10 different people seems like a ton of work. When you've been doing this 10, 15 years, you're doing that to hundreds of Absolutely. people at any given point. And um, so that's that's number two. And the, number three is grow the number. What's so beautiful, back to the gamification, about yeah. the system is we, we set ourselves a little goal now. At the top right-hand side yep. of our spreadsheet is it's our 12-month forecast. Yeah. yeah, And if that starts with $1,300, well, that's something you didn't have yesterday. Yes, absolutely. I mean, every day know that your goal is to try and move that number up. And when you get that sale and it works its way through and all of a sudden there's $7,000 and 5000 of that falls out the bottom because you closed it. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah. Go buy yourself a beer or a whatever to celebrate <laughs> and then make sure that you've gotten back to work all the way through to, to, to keep that stuff coming up and keep that number up. Um, so yeah, one, just get them in. Uh, uh, add and then move people through and then work to grow your forecast number and uh, 
you're on a good path. Frankly, you're on a path that 90% agents of agents are not, are not on yeah. because just doing this sets you apart. Yep. You're thinking like a business owner yep. and you're setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. I think that's a good wrap up. Be able to answer the question, how's your sales funnel? And know it's going to be okay. Track your business like a business. Love it. Thank you for joining us on our Century 21 Foundation Series. For more resources, other episodes, workbooks, and guides, head to c21foundations.com.